Well, good morning, everybody. It is so good to be with you, even though we can't be here in the same physical presence. It's great that we can be on all these online platforms and do this together. This is definitely a strange season that we are in. And I just think every single day, there's a whole new layer of impact that this pandemic is having on every single one of our lives. And I think for so many of us, there's just this mounting of disappointments after disappointments that are accumulating in our life. I thought last year um, I had a lot of disappointments, so I was looking forward to 2020 being a whole new year, a whole new start, um, really with disturbance-free and disappointment-free. But so far, and maybe you can relate, I just think there have been so many disappointments already into this year. Um, I want to show you just a little bit about my own family. I mentioned this the last couple of weeks in our kind of our questioning and answering, but, and, and I think probably a lot of us can relate to these disruptions that are going on. Because in my family, my, my oldest daughter, Mackenzie, was supposed to be moving to Australia in June. She was given this incredible opportunity. She was chosen um, to be able to do this job for the next two years. It was a high honor for her that was really going to set her up for the rest of her career. But now, through all of this pandemic, her this dream has been ripped out of her hands. And the thing that she was excited about, looking forward to, is now just, it's all crushing. It's, it's just falling right in front of her, her eyes. And, and she's just really devastated by that. My second daughter, Madison, I was supposed to be getting married in, in April. And for her entire life, she dreamed about what her wedding day would look like. And now her dreams are being crushed. It's not even close to what she'd hoped for or dreamt of. And so she's being devastated by that as well. My son, Landon, he graduated from college last May and decided not to go back to graduate school, but instead to go ahead and go into, into the engineering work field. And he has a great job working for an amazing engineering firm, but it's not in the area that he studies, not the area that he really wants to be in. And so after sending out 150 applications and getting 150 rejections back, He's completely devastated by all of this process. My youngest son, Sheldon, he's supposed to be graduating from college in May, and, and now graduation in school is completely up in the air, and this last semester of his last year in college, which is supposed to be the best year of your life, really is all kind of broken. It's being blown up, and now he's in Birmingham all alone. My wife, Courtney, is a certified financial planner, and for the past two weeks, every single day, she's had to take calls from clients who are afraid and angry and, and worried because they don't know what to do with this ever-changing stock market that's just happening in the crazy world that we are living in. And so the stress that my wife has been under these last couple of weeks has just been absolutely extraordinary. And so as you can probably understand and imagine, there's been a lot of crying going on in my house. And I think probably for a lot of you, you can relate to different aspects of this in your own life where disappointments are just accumulating in your own life in this really unprecedented time in history that we are now living in. But it's not just disappointments that we're all having to deal with because there's also all these mounting uncertainties that now all of us are having to face. Financial uncertainty, job uncertainty, 
health uncertainty, a, a future full with uncertainty. And all of this is being forced into our lives in an alarming rate. I mean, just three weeks ago, none of us even had any sort of category to try to put any of this into our, our lives. Everything was in our control. Life was fantastic. It was great, or at least it was normal for us. But now we're having to deal with this idea of social distancing, new words that we're having to figure out, shelter in place, I mean, these are all brand new things that are just happening to us at an alarming rate. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, you probably have somewhere in your mind, somewhere in your memory, in your mind, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, which says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In the past, this may have been a scripture that you quoted. In the past, this may have even been a scripture that brought you peace and hope in the midst of things that you're going through. But when you're in the middle of a bunch of disappointments, when you're in the middle of a bunch of uncertainties, this scripture, to be honest, can feel a little bit more like an irritation sandpaper on your soul instead of it being a source of hope and peace. Because the essence of this promise from God is that he will strategically position us in the right place at the right time. But for most of us, the right place often feels like the wrong place. And the right time often feels like the wrong time. And so how in the world could any of this that we're going through in this pandemic that's affecting every single, how can there be anything good in any of this? Where is God in the middle of all of this? And so I think the question that I think so many of us are struggling with in this crazy world that we're now living in is how do we live a life of faith in the midst of these mounting disappointments and uncertainties? How do we actually do this? How do we live a life of faith in the midst of all these changes that are happening around us? Well, I think one of the most important tools that we need to be able to use in the midst of uncertainty is that we need to actually come to a point where we embrace uncertainty, where we actually embrace it. We embrace this uncertainty. Oswald Chambers says it this way, to be certain of God means that we are uncertain in all of our ways. We do not know what a day may bring forth. This is generally said with a sigh of sadness. It should rather be an expression of breathless expectation. Now, I want you to think about what Oswald Chambers is saying here. Because embracing uncertainty is actually a dimension of faith. Think about that. Embracing uncertainty is actually a dimension of faith. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Which means faith is sometimes running away from security and chasing uncertainty. I want to show you a couple examples of this in the Bible. Look at this in 1 Samuel chapter 14. And here in this story, the, the Israelites, they're in the stalemate with their arch enemies, the, Phil, the Philistines. And Jonathan does something here to embrace faith by running away from security and chasing uncertainty. Look at this in verse 6. It says, Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. 
Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, as armor bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. Verse 8, Jonathan said, come then, we will cross over toward the men and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. If you continue to read the rest of the story here, you'll see that because of Jonathan, his letting go of security and embracing uncertainty, because of that, God did an incredible miracle and panic struck the entire Philistine army and the Israelites were able to go ahead and defeat the Philistines. Now, I don't know about you and how you read your Bible, but I tend to focus on the miracles. Uh, when I'm reading through the Bible, I, the miracles always just fascinate me because I wanna see those miracles happen in my own life. But I want you to notice here, that this miracle all started because Jonathan embraced uncertainty. It says, perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Abraham is another example of this. Look at this, look at this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, which says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. See, Abraham is another example of someone who let go of his security to embrace uncertainty in order to pursue the promise of God. It says, he went without knowing where he was going. Talk about embracing uncertainty. Noah is another example. Look at this in Genesis chapter six, starting in verse 11, it says, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people of the earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. And then God goes ahead and gives Noah the exact descriptions and the dimensions of how to build this ark. But do you know how long it took Noah to build this ark? One year? No, 10 years? <laughs> no, it took him 120 years to build this ark. Think about that, 120 years. Obviously, people back then lived a lot longer than we live today, but 120 years. And so think about that. For 120 years, people would walk by Noah's place asking, Noah, what in the world are you building? An ark, a what? An ark. What in the world is an ark? Well, it's a boat large enough to take people and animals to save them from the coming flood. A flood, what is a flood? Noah, it never rains here. There's never going to be a flood. Can you imagine what Noah went through for 120 years? Noah was the laughing stock of the whole community. But nevertheless, Noah continued to embrace the uncertainty of a divine weather forecast. Verse 22 says, Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. You know, I think one of the biggest mistakes that we tend to make in our relationship with God is that we tend to focus all of our time and our energy on telling God exactly what he needs to do 
and how he needs to do it and when he needs to do it. In fact, we'll just repeat ourselves over and over and over again just to make sure that God gets all the details and that he's not gonna miss the important aspects of what we want him to do. But what if instead of spending all of our time and energy making plans for God, what if we spent that time and energy actually seeking God? Think about the day of Pentecost, because I think this is exactly what happened. Jesus had been crucified on the cross, and then three days later, he rose again, and then 40 days later, he ascends into heaven, giving those disciples the great commission to go into all the world to bring the gospel and the kingdom of God into every people group. But think from the disciples' perspective, what in the world just happened? In a short period of time, in less than a month, in a little over than a month, their worlds had been turned completely upside down. I mean, talk about the slingshot of emotions that were going on. The the triumphal entry into Jerusalem where everybody was cheering, yes, this is the Messiah, the King has come. But then it turned, the tide turns, and all of a sudden people are turning against Jesus and mocking him and wanting him to be crucified, which then he ultimately is. He's put to death on a Roman cross the devastation of emotion, the drudgery, the worry, the fear. But then all of a sudden, three days later, he rises from the grave. He's resurrected from the dead. The joy again, the amazement, the miraculous things that was happening there. But then 40 days later, then you watch him ascend into heaven. It's like, Jesus, where are you going? We're just starting this. And Jesus then leaves you with that commission that you're supposed to go and you're to be the kingdom of God throughout the world, these disciples had absolutely no idea what to do. I mean, how in the world do you actually accomplish this great commission? The disciples, they didn't have a plan. They were clueless. Uncertainty filled every mind and heart of those disciples in that upper room. But here's the thing about uncertainty. Because uncertainty tends to force us to pray like it actually does depend upon God. Let me say that again. Uncertainty tends to force us to pray like it actually does depend upon God. And that's exactly then what the disciples did for 10 days. Look at this in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? And if you continue to read what happens here, Peter gets up and he preaches his very first sermon. And 3,000 people accept Jesus and then are baptized. Now, from our perspective, when you think about this, this was a perfectly scripted scenario. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit happened during the Jewish feast of Pentecost when Jewish pilgrims came from all over the ancient world to make that trek into Jerusalem. And so it was those pilgrims who heard the gospel in their native tongues. 
And so not only did 3,000 believers get baptized on that day, but 3,000 missionaries were also commissioned to go back into every part of that ancient world. And so those first disciples, they couldn't have coordinated a better event than what actually happened on that day. But here's my point. From their vantage point, from the vantage point of those first disciples, the day of Pentecost was totally unplanned. I mean, it's not like the disciples woke up thinking that day, you know, I, I think I'll speak in a foreign tongue today. Or I think I'll speak in front of thousands and thousands of people here today. Or, you know, I, I, I think I'll start a worldwide revolution today. That's not what happened. Listen, everybody, those disciples of Jesus, they had no category for what was about to happen. It was completely unprecedented. It's not like they had made an appointment to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter didn't come prepared to give a three-point sermon on this day, and they certainly didn't pack an extra set of clothes to baptize 3,000 people. Listen, everybody, you cannot plan Pentecost. You can't plan Pentecost. But if you seek God for 10 days in an upper room, something is bound to happen. And so here's a crazy thought. In the midst of this uncertainty, in the midst of this uncertainty that's affecting every single one of us, and not just here in the Austin region, not just here in the amazing state of Texas, not just here in the United States, but worldwide, in the midst of this uncertainty, what if we actually did what they did in the Bible? What if we actually prayed like it did depend upon God to do something? What if we actually sought God with some ancient intensity instead of just spending all our time and energy trying to tell God what to do? What if we actually embrace the uncertainty of this moment? Because maybe then we too would experience some of those ancient miracles. Listen, everybody, we are now living in an un unprecedented time. None of us have a category for what we are currently experiencing. Disappointments are accumulating. All these uncertainties, they're, they're mounting every single day. There's something more. But here's the thing. We have a choice because we can either hunker down in fear and be consumed with the endless questions of why this is happening. And God, where in the world are you in the midst of all of this? Or we can choose faith by running away from security and embracing uncertainty. Have any of you ever heard of a lady by the name of Corey Tinboon? When I was young, I read her book and saw her movie called The Hiding Place, which documented the story of Corey Tinboon and who miraculously survived the death camps that the Nazis had put together during World War II. Later on in her life, Corey Tinboon would speak to audiences about her horrific experiences in those Nazi concentration camps, and she would openly talk about the anger that she had with God and the questioning that she had, because where was God? when her family was discovered by the Nazis to be hiding Jewish people? Where was God when her family was forced into those concentration camps? Where was God when her father and sister died in those concentration camps? How 
could God let any of this happen? So much of what Corey Ten Boone suffered in those concentration camps didn't make sense. It wasn't fair. When Corey would speak to audiences about these horrific experiences and her anger with God and her questioning with God, she would often look down while she talked. But she wasn't looking down because she was reading her notes. She was actually working on a piece of needlepoint. And after sharing about the doubt and the anger and the pain that she experienced, she would reveal the needlepoint. But what she would do is that she would show the backside of the needlepoint, which reveals just a jumble of colors and threads with no discernible patterns. And she would say this. She would say, this is how we see our lives. And so much of our lives just doesn't make sense in the moment. But then she would turn the needlepoint over to reveal the design on the other side. And then Corey would say, this is how God views our life. And someday we'll have the privilege of seeing it from his point of view. Listen, everybody, so much of what you're going through, it just may not make any sense. This is all you see. It's just a jumble and you can't make sense of it. The disappointments, the uncertainties are just jumbled here. You can't figure out your orientations like you're, you're lost in it. And it's just kind of disrupted all sense of control that you have. And so you may be angry and you may be devastated by all these things that are outside of your control. And you may be questioning God's goodness and his nearness to you. But I want you to understand something here. You're in the middle of a story. And yes, there's uncertainty. And yes, there's disappointment after disappointment after disappointment that's affecting so many of our lives. And yes, this is unprecedented. But listen, everybody, the story is not over yet. You're in the middle of the story. And God is not finished yet. I want to pray for you here. And so wherever you are, would you just do this? Would you just stop whatever you're doing? And I want you to just focus in right now. And I want you to actually close your eyes wherever you are, whether you're in, by yourself or in a living room, in a kitchen or a bedroom. I want you to stop what you're doing. I want, you just to, I want to ask you just to close your eyes because I think God wants to minister to you right here, right now. Because maybe you're experiencing disappointment after disappointment. Maybe you're feeling weighed down by the mounting uncertainties. And maybe if you would be really honest with yourself, your faith is being shaken. You're angry. You're questioning God. And where is he in all of this? I want you to know that you're not alone in this. And I also want to remind you that faith doesn't reduce uncertainty. Faith embraces uncertainty. Because the reality is that you'll never have all the answers on this side of eternity. Some things are just not going to make sense. But maybe faith has less to do with gaining knowledge and more to do with causing wonder. Just like Oswald Chambers said, to be certain of God means that we are uncertain in all of our ways. We do not know what a day may bring forth. This is generally said with a sigh of sadness. It should rather be an expression of breathless expectation. 
And so, Father, I thank you that you love us so much, more than we can probably imagine. And Lord, I thank you that you have a plan and you're working a plan. And even though we can't see it, even though we don't understand it, we don't feel it all the time, that you still are working, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so God, we come to you as the source of all life, needing your strength, needing your comfort, needing your perspective. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and strengthen each of the people who are hearing my voice right now and that you would give every single one of us hope. Father, may your grace give every single one of us that eternal encouragement and strength today and in the days to come. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to thank you so much for joining us here together, even these strange ways. I still think God is ministering to us in very specific and miraculous ways. I want you to just open your heart to even the miracles that God has for you this week. A couple of things I want to remind you of. Uh, we are in our 40 days of prayer and devotion. And so every day this week at noon, you can go on Facebook Live and you will see that devotional being happening at noon every day on Facebook Live as well. I wanna just encourage you and challenge you, maybe even push you just a little bit. Get into an online group. We have all, all of our groups went into online format this um, through this season. Each week, I think there's just more groups that are coming online. This is not a time for you to do this by yourself. And so would you please find a group, get into a group, share what's going on, pray for each other, be attentive to each other during this season. We always end our services with this blessing. So wherever you are, could you just say this with me? Even if you're there by yourself, just say it out loud with me. Say it with me. Here we go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.